Med Family is a show about a family journeying through medical school with kids and navigating married life. Tag along to see how we got here and where this journey is taking us. Hello, welcome to another week of our podcast, Med Family. I'm your host, Eric Acker. And of course, again, I'm hosting today with Karen. Hi. Uh, so we are now in our, I guess, started the second week of our online OBGYN rotation. This is Second, third week in second week in December. Second week in December. Yeah, it's like December seventh. <laughs> so we'll record tonight and edit tonight and post by tomorrow morning. So nice timeline we have going for ourselves. But so we, we did not set ourselves up for success <laughs> or sleep. <laughs> yeah. Well, speak for yourself. Uh, you don't have to edit. I don't really stay awake until you come to bed. That's fair. So we've been doing the online OBGYN. I'm mm-hmm. following relatively the same plan. I'm a little bit behind, and I'll I'll kind of harken back to that based on what we talked about last week. So I finished my iHumans, and I'm doing my online med ed videos, trying to retain as much information. So hopefully that I can start doing my QBanks for UWorld, and then I will be kind of off to the races from there. I was sick last week, as we kind of mentioned. I got a little bit sicker as the week went on, so I kind of hung out at home and did as much as I could do at home, and while I might have hung out at home a little bit, I also traveled to like Atlanta two or three days last week, which was was exciting, you know. Uh, <laughs> it it was something. It, yeah, it, it was something. It was long trips, but I I feel like it, it's kind of paid off in, the, in the, not the trips to Atlanta, but the process for the iHuman because I have gotten all nine of my iHuman cases for OBGYN done. And this is the first time I've had a preceptor for my online iHuman grade things in a relatively quick manner. I have all nine of them graded and complete. You know, I'm basically I'm done with my online as far as the school is concerned, I'm done with my online OBGYN rotation. Obviously it doesn't mean I, I start in person anytime soon, but it's at least a, a nice marker that I'm done with it. Yeah, all the assignments are completed. Yeah, all the assignments completed. And I, I got I don't want to brag. I'm not, not, I'm not saying this to brag per se, but it's got 100% on every every uh, iHuman case that I did. Didn't lose any points. Well, your goal going into all of these online, because a lot of people view the iHuman as busy work and to just kind of get it done and turn it in. But we... I, Eric said multiple times on the podcast, don't try and not leave any points on the table. Try and get so just you make it what it is. So you're creating soap notes. You're interacting with this I mean, fake patient. Uh, so like you <laughs> make the notes what you can, right? I mean that's that's definitely it. Like these are tedious. They are boring, and they could actually be very frustrating as well because some some of them can be longer than the other. Some of them. You try to find some sort of internal consistency between one iHuman case and the next, and there is no consistency. So there is plenty to complain about. <laughs> and believe me, I've heard the complaints. I've heard you know I've either made, either made the complaints myself or I've heard them from other students. And while that's all probably very true and accurate, 
you know, it doesn't matter. You still got to do, you still got to do the work. And like Karen said, I don't want to leave any points on the table. I don't, uh, you know, I can help it. Like if I make a dumb mistake, if I forget to put a section in, then that's on me. That's a mistake I've made. And that's fine. Like you can make honest mistakes where you don't understand something and you make a mistake. That's one thing. It's another thing to just not do your best work. I guess another thing when you submit it and you go, that wasn't my best work, but I just, I just want to be done with. And it's definitely an, an urge. <laughs> All through life, you're going to have that urge to just submit something because who cares? But that's just an opportunity for you to lose points because you didn't care. And then for me, I, I always picture like I'm always on the cusp of a grade change, like one grade to another grade. And so I would just be so upset with myself if I missed like a high pass by like two points because I just didn't want to put in the effort. And I want to put in that effort because really in these clinical years, you are going to be judged on, you're going to be judged on a lot of things. You're going to have your preceptor evaluations. You're going to have your overall core rotation grades. So every core rotation you do, you're going to get a pass, a high pass or an honors or a fail. Hopefully you don't get a fail, but you can get those four options. And then of course you get your shelf scores, which are also 60% of your grade for your core rotations. But your shelf scores also are reported to residency programs. So you, you get those things that kind of go on your record. And of course, the iHuman is, I don't know, 10, 20% of your, your core rotation grade. And so if you just leave, I don't know, even, even 25% of your points on the table, you could be missing out on a, a few percentage points that could bump you from a high pass to an honors. And honors looks so much better <laughs> on your transcripts than a pass or a high pass like high pass is good but honors is better obviously and you're going to go to these residency programs and you're going to try to tell them why they should pick you over a thousand other applicants and if your academic record looks like you're an average student like you're going to have a hard time convincing them that you're anything but average and i mean there's lots of students in my term previous terms terms yet to come who are probably well above average so i mean let your work show it and my opinion is like don't leave a point on the table that you can you can have you can have it just for a little bit more work go get that point and at the same time i'm trying to find <laughs> silver linings to these i like i said tedious frustrating you just got to get through these i human cases you might as well do a good job on it but there are there is actually opportunities to learn and because I finally got access to up to date on my pediatric rotation because I was in the hospital and the hospital sponsors the up to date subscription, I finally got up to date and it's a great resource for patient care and <laughs> clinical information. And so a lot of times when you're look at these screens on iHuman and they'll be like, oh, the treatment plan is this. And they'll give you like only three lines for the treatment plan. And you know you can't type out just three sentences and submit it to your preceptor and the preceptor's going to be okay with that. Like, that's not going to work. <laughs> so I, I, I will log into UpToDate and then I would read up on treatment for that particular condition. And so maybe I'll include what my dosage would be for the medication I would choose and why I would choose that medication over a different medication. Um, what other treatment considerations might you consider? Like, let's go for an example here. Since I'm in OB, it's pretty fresh in my memory. We had, uh, I think, two patients so far that had atopic pregnancies, and 
One was hemodynamically stable and one was not hemodynamically stable. I did the reading on up to date and it was pretty obvious that there's different treatment options that you could use depending on the patient's hemodynamic stability and a few other variables that go into play on those, obviously, but that's a big crucial one. That was the biggest variable between these two patients. And so hemodynamically stable to a pharmacological treatment, so like methotrexate. Well, how much methotrexate do you use? And you, you, you figure that out and you just put that in there. And then, so you can, you can look a little bit more intelligent just by putting just a little bit more effort. And then you walk away going, okay, I know now a treatment for atopic pregnancies. Good chance that's going to be tested on the shelf exam. So I've now, I've learned, I've committed memory, and I've seen a few clinical cases where you would want to use it. And I've seen a few clinical cases where you'd want to go for a procedure, a more invasive option. So I guess my point there is, it's long, it's tedious, it's frustrating. You probably have other things you could be doing, probably better things you can be doing to study, but you have to do it. So you might well, as well get the best out of it. And there's other other things that you can take away from it. Like Eric and I having both worked, so him in a in a clinic in that was contracted with a hospital and me in a long-term care pharmacy working with insurances and whatnot for... Both of our work experiences, like, you do deal with tedious things day in and day out in the medical world. You have, you do have to write soap notes so that your patient's procedures can be approved through insurance. You have to hit certain things so that it does get approved. Otherwise, you have to go back in and add it. Or you have to do a peer-to-peer -peer call so that you can get this approved. And, like, you... If you do it correctly the first time, then hopefully you won't have to take time out of your day to make the call, right? Um, you have credentialing. You have to work with a credentialing office. You have to work with a lot of people that are not, that help you in your medical journey that are not medically minded. And you have to be an advocate for yourself and deal with a lot of tedious things in order to create the best practice that you can have, right? Well, and I had kind of a flashback to this situation. So we, there was it was it wasn't affecting me per se. There was another student here that started his rotation, and his preceptor had been deployed by the military. So like he didn't have a preceptor, and I can that, that's a terrible situation for the student. <laughs> it's not you know as a student you'd be like what the heck? What am I going to do now? What you know? What's, what's my option? I can't just burn a week. You know, I, I got to stay on track here. And I get that. I, I'm, I'm, right in the, I'm right there with you. It, it was interesting hearing that complaint. And it's a valid complaint because as medical students, what matters most to us is our own education. But what brought me back to when I worked as a surgery coordinator was this, like we had practitioners. Like we had one that had cancer. He just he went to the hospital one day because his shoulder hurt. Got a PET scan, had a you know had a, had things looked at and realized he had like seeded a metast you know like metastasized cancer all up and down his body. They cut him from like head to toe and it was plucking out all sorts of different cancer tissues. We had to cancel his entire surgery schedule, and he was our only hand specialist. <laughs> and I remember the hell that, like. One day he was in office seeing 25 patients, and that's not a joke. That was a, his, like, his typical patient load. And then 
he would like the next day do like I don't know a dozen cases in the surgery center, and he was going from that intensity to he's off, he's out, like he's going to be gone at least three months, if not forever. And it ended up being forever. He didn't die, but he medically retired. <laughs> so I remember the office just being crazy. Like you're just trying, okay, he's got these post-ops because he's operating on patients. Now who are they going to see? Because post-ops, you know, by nature of the insurance, the insurance has paid for the procedure. And depending on the procedure, they have paid for the care of that patient for a certain number of days after that should be all covered and so basically the insurance will not pay anything extra besides maybe a few x-rays in that care of the patient but if the doctor's gone who's going to see those post-ops because who's going to basically take on a patient who's not going to pay and it's not the patient's obligation to pay obviously so that's that's one thing like where's his clinic patients 25 patients a day we don't have another hand surgeon who else is going to see those patients like who's going to talk to the patients and, and reschedule them all the surgeries he's got scheduled for the next three months who's going to call them up and put them on a different schedule and tell them what they're going to what their treatment plan is so i remember it being insane i and I didn't just go for this once i had we had practitioners leave constantly not not constantly but on a fairly regular pace, um, that this wasn't an abnormal thing. I remember one, like we're getting close to the end of the year. And if you've ever worked in insurance, ever worked in medical field, (laughs) the end of the year is such a crucial date because that's when all these patients who've had all this medical procedures have hit the out of pocket max. So the insurance is paying a hundred percent from there on out. And you'd have these, knee replacement surgery, hip replacement surgeries. And we had one doctor who, uh, I guess he wasn't working out or whatever. And so we were trying to figure out what to do with all his patients. And all his patients were like, I want to get in before the end of the year. So we had to get creative. And my point of that story was like, there was a lot we had to juggle. A lot of the office managers had to juggle. Like everyone was asking questions. We were going over each individual patient. There was people doing all sorts of work. Now, Add on a medical student. <laughs> you know, like, are we shocked? It, what, was I shocked to hear that when a physician got called up by the military and had to immediately deploy, was I shocked that the office manager didn't immediately think about the medical student that was going to come and see them in office on Monday? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> like, they're like the last person on the list of people to contact. And I, I know that doesn't sound great. As a medical student, I would like to be a little higher up on that list. But realistically, like, this is an office. They are running a business as well. And their first priority is to their patients. And so they're pouring their hair out. They're lighting things on, you know, they're running in circles with the hair on fire. And the medical student shows up on Monday after this chaotic probably weekend and they're probably not still going chaotic episode and going, well, what am I supposed to do? And it's like, well, we totally forgot about you, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and the medical student goes back to the school and goes, this is this seems so unprofessional. It's like, well, wait until you practice. Wait until you, I guess, feel what's going on. And <laughs> I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that it's, it's a perfect system. Like in a perfect world, they would think about the medical student and they would fix it. But this is not a perfect world. And that's just the reality of what we live in. As physicians, we're going to have to get very used to the fact that 
things are going to change on a dime. Like <laughs> nothing is guaranteed, but change, right? Is that the saying? In in medicine, yeah, there's nothing really guaranteed besides that. There's always going to be change. Just when you finally get a system down, it's going to change, and you're dealing with you're dealing with patients who are imperfect. You're also dealing with office staff who are imperfect, and physicians who are imperfect. Believe it or not, that's true. Uh, well. Everybody's imperfect, so you're just trying to have some sort of flexibility and learn and insert yourself in positive ways. Yeah, and I guess that the takeaway is, there is is seeing the bigger picture, or at least trying to see the bigger picture. Uh, and all this kind of goes into what our main topic for tonight <laughs> is supposed to be, is to know your timeline. So um, Trinity works a little bit differently than... Um, some of the other schools that we have brushed up against, br- or yeah, whatever. brushed up against, interviewed at, or talked to fellow students, right? So in Trinity, there is, there is a class starting every term, but that's for the preclinical years or the basic science years. You have a class starting every four, four three months, every three months. Yeah, and I think for clinicals, there's four starts a year. There's about four. Sometimes there's more. Sometimes there's a little less. But um, it's not every three months. It's like January, February, May, July, and maybe there's one in August. There's a, there's a few scattered throughout the year. So they have various start dates. Right. So you need to take a look at... So first, I guess we should kind of backtrack a little bit. We have already gone through... In fifth term, you take your CBSE. Once you pass your CBSE, then you can... up. Apply for your. You can apply for your um, permit to sit for step one, and, and then you can schedule your step one date. And then once you do that, you have to plan it. You know, you get your score probably two to four weeks after you sit for your step one, and then whenever that next rotation start date is, would be probably your, probably your next rotation start date. And then you have to do a whole lot of paperwork and uh, filing a whole bunch of things just to make sure that you can start on time, like yep. physicals, lab work, etc. Yeah. So kind of know your timeline. So what you once you hit fifth term, you need to start being a little bit more proactive in your own education, I guess. Um, well, all the all the resources are there. They're just. You're, you're kind of being fed information as you are coming up to it. So as you're finishing fifth term, they're giving you information on how to get ready for step one. And as you finish step one, they give you a little bit more information on how to get your clinical rotation started. So the information is kind of coming to you. But they, then they give you like the clinical handbook and they just say everything you probably need to know is in that handbook. And then most people kind of like most of your classes in syllabus day, you just kind of go, yeah, I'll figure it out. And you don't really look at it. I would probably encourage you to look at it because this is this is what we're kind of talking about with timeline. Because depending on when you start your rotations, you gotta maybe plan out ahead and go, okay, for my cores, I'm doing X number of weeks. And I think what we see if we can do fast math here. Let's see. <laughs> uh, we have family med, peds, psych, psych and OB that are all six weeks. That's 24 weeks right there. And you have surgery surgery and internal medicine that are 12 weeks each. So another 24. So that would put you at 48 weeks. So 
And then you have to include probably Holiday. two weeks for yeah. Christmas holiday, then two weeks for spring, and then I think there's a, there are two weeks, and then, uh, not two weeks, two weeks for Christmas, one week for spring, and then there's another holiday in there for summer sometime. So you end up doing about 52 weeks. And then you have to start thinking about, well, you need, after you do your cores, you have to start thinking about step two. <laughs> and then you have to start thinking about your electives at the same time, depending on the time of the year, you have to have an eye towards when you want to enter the match. Right. So like we just did our, we just sat down and did our timeline. So once Eric finishes, so at the beginning of the year, he'll finish his three weeks OB in person. Then he'll have. Uh, oh yeah. So yep, after, then, the, after the first of the year. Yep. Then he'll have. I am in surgery, and then he'll he will have seven weeks, and in that seven weeks before. Well, so I am in surgery will take me to the fifteenth, I believe, of July, and I'll take my shelf exam for I think my surgery rotation that day, and then I will have, like Karen said, seven weeks from uh, the fifteenth of July to September fifth, and September fifth is my date. I have to be in elective rotations because you have 27 to 28 weeks of elective rotations in order to graduate. And you have to finish them by March 31st, I believe. If you are, So I, I'm going to be trying to enter the match, match for 2023, which means in September 2022, so next September, I'm going to submit my application for a residency match. And so while I'm submitting my application, I will have started my electives. And by the th if, if I'm going to match, I have to be done with my electives by March 31st. And sometime middle of March, I think, is when they actually match you, when you get announced which uh, program you matched with. So it's all about graduation and matching and all that fun stuff. But if I start you know, one week or two weeks after March 5th, I might, I run the risk of not meeting that deadline and not being able to match. And then I would have to wait another year until September rolls around again to enter the match cycle again. So, <laughs> so. we are, we are on a very tight timeline because in that seven weeks he has to take step two. He has to fill out all of his application, his CV, get the letters of recommendation and all of that into his match application. And the match application actually has to be submitted by the 28th of September. So you, you have, I think you can start putting information in on the first and there's something that happens middle of September. I'm not quite sure exactly what that date is, but the, I think it's September 30th or it was like the 29th this last year. It's going to be, I think the 30th next year. That's when Everything should be certified, submitted, and then on the 30th, all those applications go out to programs. So you want to be in that first batch going out to programs because then they get a first look at you, and they're going, they're going to immediately start setting up interviews and reviewing the applications. And so... So depending on when, when you graduate fifth term and take your step 
I guess when you enter your cores, I guess that's probably the better way to say it. Yeah. When you enter your cores, you kind of want to look at your timeline and see how much time after your cores you have to submit to start electives and to submit your match application. Match application. And then also because where gonna, where in that time period do you intend to sit for your step two? Because you do have to have step two done before you can start electives, I believe. And I think you have to have step two done before you can really hope to match. Like you really need that score to go with your applications on the day that they drop on the twenty ninth. Yeah. So if it takes a two to four weeks you, you wanna keep be keep that in mind. And then additionally, not to throw one more layer on this, but <laughs> we'll talk, we, uh, previously we talked about these electives as being kind of auditions. Some people don't like using that term as auditions. I think it's pretty apt, essentially what you're using them for. You're using them for gaining experience and knowledge. But also, ideally, these first, um, the Two ones, at least the ones you want, for me anyway, from September to that Christmas break, I will have like three, four-week rotation opportunities plus one three-week rotation opportunity. I want those all, if possible, to be uh, audition rotations. Because after January, at least the word I kind of keep hearing is after January, they're more or less done interviewing people. And so... The earlier you can get in an audition and show them that you're a, an excellent candidate, and that they maybe they want to interview you, then you can get an interview. Maybe you can get an interview while you're there. <laughs> you know, like a whole lot of things that can happen. And then after January, you just need to kind of finish your electives in order to graduate. So and there's other people. Some people have some different strategies about how they do the January um, rotations, and maybe they could be beneficial. But the basic idea of how I understand that I've gotten is that by January, most programs have already started to kind of pick who they want and they're not really interested in continuing to entertain more and more applicants. Yeah. But I, this whole, this whole thing mapping out kind of what we have left and our timeline has been helpful because like Eric has two IM and surgery. Those two are notoriously the 12 long weeks long days they're 12 weeks long and they're long days so they're relatively more intense uh cores that you're going to go through so knowing that at the end of that he only has a limited amount of time we are kind of looking at okay well we know we know certain people have gone through these and i think internal medicine there's there's a doctor that has you do lots of PowerPoint presentations. So we've gotten a few of those topics. And I think Eric's going to try and work on maybe putting together a few um, before he even enters into the rotation. So if he was given that topic, he would he would have it done and he still has some. Or at least mostly done. Yes. So I can add a few, maybe adjust a few slides here and there. But I'm not going to spend like three, four hours doing a PowerPoint. Uh-oh. Right. And it's why like his study plan is the way it is. Like so that he is constantly incorporating new information, but he's still reviewing the old information. Yeah. His, that's that's speaking more to that inky deck that I'm doing. Is it, it's so a, that you're studying for step two 
constantly throughout all of your cores as opposed to right before you take the test because you don't necessarily have that month's worth or two months worth of time to just devote to studying for it and like while we're at christmas break working on the cv is something that's been or a personal statement yeah it's something that you can do ahead of time and so it really is it really does depend on when you started your course because like Joseph, Joseph has been on here. And Joseph Call. And like he's finishing his cores now. So he has from now until September, September. to like. And he's going to do electives. He's going to do step two. So he's got a little bit of time to yeah, kind of figure it all out. Yeah. So it, some people are going to have that opportunity to figure it out. And other people, you either have to make that tough decision to just say, I'm, I'm not going to sit for match. And I'll wait. A, I'll wait a year, and then sit for match. Um, I don't think I had that luxury. <laughs> uh, I don't want to kind of hang out for twelve months or whatever, and and then jump back into. It. I kind of just want to keep rolling with this. I feel like this is a pretty exciting opportunity to be in these rotations, and uh, I would like to kind of continue. <laughs> I'm not going to get any younger. Uh, might be another <laughs> way to look at it. <laughs> You're not getting any younger, and we we have there's a financial four children's mouths to feed. Yeah, there's an obligation. Like, I, I don't think Sally May is going to continue to offer me loans to live and not go to school. But um, I think you need to be your advocate. You need to kind of look into steps that need to be taken, and if you create a timeline for yourself, I think you will find things going a lot smoother. I mean, yeah. you're still going to have your hiccups. There always are. There's unexpected things that happen, but it's 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 really good. It's a good opportunity to once you. Just, it didn't take me very long to go. Okay, how many weeks, and then just count out the weeks. I actually ended up making a calendar over the issue, but and then going. Okay, when are the when are the holidays, and how is that how is that going to affect my my schedule, and having that visual representation as opposed to some kind of abstract like well, in. In July sometime, I'll probably finish my cores, and then I'll start working on step two. Like Now I have a visual representation, and um, just tying it back to before, how it took a few weeks for me to get my permit to sit for step one. That's in my mind right now going, okay, but it took me a few weeks to get my permit, and I had to pick a date range. And then once it got approved, it was a little bit tricky to find a date range, a, a, a date that I wanted in that date range, am I going to run into that problem in August when a lot of other medical students are doing the same thing I'm doing? So when when do I need to talk to the school about making sure I get my permit approved? And when, when can I apply, apply for my permit? When can I get it approved and so I can get a step two date? Because that's going to be a limiting factor is how quickly... Because you can, you can always control what you can do. Like you can control when you're going to go study for step two. You can, you can control when you're going to sit down and type out your personal statement and make edits. You can't really control how long it takes a third party to process paperwork. And so you don't really want to be running up against the wall and being like, I need this by tomorrow. And it's like, well, it takes three weeks. So this is, that's just the way it is. So the more you know about it now, the better you can plan for it. And again, find somebody ahead of you and ask them what was helpful for them in this process because you will learn a lot and 
Because they, they have all the same anxiety and concerns that you have. Some people don't, but I mean, most people have the same anxieties. They, they all want to match. They all want to get a residency slot. They all have a little bit different strategy. You can, you can pick and choose what you think works. Um, so I, I think tomorrow, hopefully, I don't want to overpromise here, but tomorrow I'm going to try to talk to uh, a guy who's been in the residency match process this time around. He's helped a lot of people out. He's kind of the go-to guy of Trinity, so I'm hoping to sit down and talk to him, and uh, hopefully we'll record it, but yeah, <laughs> see how it goes. Um, and I think he's going to be like a good wealth of knowledge. But yeah, the suggestion that Karen said is you know find somebody ahead of you and talk to them. Don't don't get bogged down with the students that are ahead of you that are complaining, you know, that have nothing but bad things to say about their rotations or. You know, they they take it as it comes. Like this is what my parents always told me is like you pair yourself with someone who's successful. You pair yourself with somebody who's like competitive because then you it'll drive you to be competitive. And I think that that kind of goes true. Like if you're going to look look ahead at somebody who's already doing the work, pick the guy who's like excited or the person who's doing the hard work and has the head, puts the head down and works like that person is going to give you way better insights than the the guy who's just like, oh, everything sucks. I deserve better. Well, <laughs> you know? and in turn, just be aware, like, you are asking for letters of recommendation. On, on this note, like, be aware you're asking for letters of recommendation from your preceptors. You are also getting a letter from the school when you apply. So how you how you talk to your preceptor, how you communicate with the school how you communicate with your peers, you are being watched. So be aware of how you come across. Like you don't, I guess that's like. You're always auditioning. Right, right. And you will be auditioning for the next several years. So. Um, and, and, and there's definitely some attitude you run across where it's like, well, we don't, I don't really care what the school thinks of me. It's like, but the dean has to write like a 12 page letter. <laughs> detailing your entire life at Trinity and how great of a student you are. Like, don't make that hard. <laughs> make that an easy letter for the dean to write. Even if you, like, never rock... I mean, advocate for yourself. Speak up and try to make your life better. I'm, not, I'm definitely not saying keep your head down. Don't, don't do anything to rock the boat. But, like, there's a ways to rock the boat that is professional. <laughs> and... I'm not saying this as someone who has done this perfectly. I have probably almost gotten myself fired from my job at least a dozen times by emails that I had sent off to other departments, other coworkers. <laughs> like it, it took a lot, a big learning process for me to learn that a little bit of professionalism and a good way to you know there's good ways to critique things, offering actual suggestions as opposed to just criticism goes a long way having somebody proofread <laughs> proof you were your emails, say before uh, waiting waiting like a few hours before you send something because then you know it doesn't come across hopefully you calm down a little bit it's not like shooting from the hip or something anyway like i'm not saying like there's a lot of issues and maybe someone could read between the lines of what was talking about here but like I'm just trying to give pretty generic advice as far as, like, I think every school has their issues. And I'm not saying Trinity has a mountain of issues. There's, of course, always room for improvement. And I think 
any job, any school, any place you go, there's going to be room for improvement. Yeah. But, I mean, Trinity has some great advantages as opposed to... So when we applied for, or when we got the interview with the um, U.S. school that we mm-hmm. we did, like, in rotations, you would move every six weeks. Yeah, and it wasn't like, oh, you're... Because that, that school was in uh, Yakima, Washington, and it wasn't like you would just move from north side of Yakima to the south side of Yakima, which isn't all that big of a city. But it would be like Anchorage, Alaska, to Spokane, Washington, to Portland, Oregon. And every six weeks, that's what you would do. And yeah. they would try, quote unquote, to accommodate you so you wouldn't have to move as much. But there was no guarantees. Yes. Whereas here, like all of your core rotations are within the within an hour distance. Warner Robins area it's driving distance per day like you're not you don't have to move every six weeks to go somewhere so like that was a great advantage for us as a family like yes four kids not having to move every six weeks (laughs) moving sucks especially when you have a lot of (laughs) i mean you have kids so you have more stuff right um it it sucks always it doesn't matter (laughs) if you have kids or not it sucks it does but like that was a great advantage for us as a family. I, I, we are aware that with electives, like Eric might be gone for four to four weeks, four weeks at a time, because he might be going away for an elective. But that's also like we're gonna try and keep the away electives to be like the audition electives, and then unless once, there's like once a we great past, opportunity, yeah. Once we get past January, he probably will be home. So there are. Positive and negatives to everything. So you kind of just need to focus on the positive and keep going, right? Keep trucking. Yeah. I mean, and just try to, if you find yourself in a rotation that you're just not happy with, like try to find, or you just don't feel like you're getting as much out of it as you want. Like try to find some, some way to get a little bit more. Like try to, I mean, instead of just sitting back and going, well, I guess I'll just do questions, try to go, okay, well, how can I make this situation better for me? Um, maybe talk to the preceptor. I mean, better communication with the preceptor is definitely not going to hurt their feelings. If you, if you, especially if you're in a situation like your preceptor, you're not allowed to go to surgery because of the contract in the hospital, like we mentioned before. Like maybe talk to the preceptor and be like, what can I do to, you know, make get better, get a little bit more out of this rotation? Like, what what else can I be doing? Or maybe offer a few suggestions. Like, hey, do you think maybe I can do this sort of thing? Or do you think maybe we can follow the the radio, uh, the uh, ultrasound tech, you know, try to find something. Yeah. If I practice my sutures, will you look them over and see like areas of improvement or like something? Anyway, uh, (laughs) uh, I guess the other thing, I guess it's nice to be also aware of your, aware of the feedback you're getting from your preceptors. Sometimes preceptors don't give a lot of feedback, which is not great, but I have been pretty lucky that at least two of my preceptors have actually given me very positive feedback and it helps to know that like what I'm doing is on the right track. <laughs> like the feedback I'm getting is stuff that I think any residency program, if it, it is, if the Dean quotes it word for word that my preceptor for family medicine thought, you know, that I, I was eager to learn, et cetera, et cetera. That's great. Like I want them to read that. I don't want them to read, you know, he was a great student. That's it. Like, I don't want them to read, like, two sentences, and that's... So I'm getting good feedback so far. So far, knock on wood. Um, 
And so, but if you're not, maybe not getting good feedback, maybe figuring out what maybe you can be doing differently to get better feedback. Because you want to, obviously, I, I, I want to improve. Like, I, if, if I'm not doing something well, I want to do it better. Because <laughs> I, I definitely want good words and suggestions or good things that the presenters have said that my residency programs will look at and go, okay, that's the kind of stuff we're looking for. That's the kind of resident I want to work with. And it doesn't matter. In my mind, it doesn't matter if it's like, well, I'm going to go into surgery, so the only rotation I care about is surgery. Like, you should definitely care about surgery if you want to go into surgery. But you should probably also care about peds and family medicine and internal medicine. Because if it's, if it's obvious that you phoned it in on three rotations and you only cared to get, like, a high pass or an honors in one rotation, like, you might still look like an average student. I don't know. It's it's just a matter of work ethic, I suppose. And this has been a very heavy podcast. Don't do this. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Be positive. No. <laughs> but on a much... Uh, lighter note, maybe. Lighter note. <laughs> we are doing... Uh, we are hosting a uh, Christmas movie. Oh, yeah. Our, a little Christmas movie competition. Yeah. I'm looking. So that's always fun. We've done it a couple times before. And it's always in, like we are, are we are older so, than um, we are. T- we're 32, 33 years old. Yeah. And I think the average students student like mid 20s. Yeah. <laughs> mid 20s. So we're, we're a little bit older. So it's always fun to kind of see like. We get we get upset over the uh, results sometimes. So what this because um, it might be helpful to tell them what we're doing here. <laughs> uh, so we take basically like a March Madness kind of uh, bracket. So you you get the little sixty four teams in March Madness, and if you ever played it, you basically you fill out the entire bracket who you think is going to win in each head to head matchup until you pick the winner. Now, obviously, we don't we you know, these. These movies are basically going to be these base basketball teams. So the movies aren't going to fight it out. We're going to put a vote, like a vote uh, survey out there. So like, seven times now, like seven rounds basically of voting. And the students are just going to in mass pick which movies on the head-to-head matchups are the best. And slowly it's going to basically fill the brackets all the way down to a winner. And so we're doing a Christmas themed. We're during fifth term. I had done two uh, Disney themed and just animated non-Disney themed, and got a lot of good feedback from that. And people, it's just see, something to kind of keep like something people seem fun to enjoy. And uh, maybe this is a controversial take, but we did add Die Hard by popular demand into one of the brackets. <laughs> demand. So. That's. That's the keyword there. <laughs> there I'm going to be so upset because I know a classic is not going to win. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we had so we have different things like you know, Wonderful Life and Miracle on 34th Street, and then then we have other things like Elf and Jack Frost. I think it's like Jack Frost versus um, Die Hard going on there. So. No, I don't know. Um, so we we put this out to the school, and students are going to. Fill out their brackets and send it in, and then starting next week, we're every I think every day next week, uh, we'll publish a poll, publish the results, and kind of just keep rolling till there's one winner. Mm-hmm. And 
it's fun. Like Karen said, we're a little bit older, so we have different tastes than other um, other students. I I realize now after going through a peds rotation and talking to some um, peers about certain movies and certain scenes in certain movies, and they're just like like blank stares, like they've never seen Storks, and so they they don't understand what I'm quoting. And I now realize that we had done two kids movie themed. <laughs> So that people were like, they they knew Lion King and a did few, Lion King win? Yeah, Lion King won. Yeah, how's that disappointing? Yeah, um, but this would be fun. It'd be kind of fun to participate. I, I I tend to have a little bit too much fun in my instructions and how to play the game. I give a little a few examples, but I also put a little bit of trash talk in there. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So that is our uh, Christmas yeah, whatever. Whoever, whoever picks the most winners. So every time you pick a winner of the matchup, you get a point. And so the, the, to entice people to play, besides just the fun of playing, uh, we have like a $25 Amazon gift card that we're going to give out. So hopefully that'll get a few people to show up. It, it was pretty fun reading the WhatsApp group chat. The last few times, some of the trash takes. Some of the trash takes. Yeah, it was pretty funny. So <laughs> we're doing that this week or this coming week. People are voting this week on or putting their yep. brackets together, and then we'll do voting next week. What else has gone on this week? We we got all of our Christmas gifts shipped off, and this coming week we I'm recovered cookies. from our colds. Yeah, we got better. I don't sound like a man anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think we more or less ironed out our Christmas holiday. Yes. Um, my my last Hail Mary effort to get a shadow rotation at, at Navicent uh, was shot down, but at least I have a good explanation why. It was because uh, shout out when a resident, the residents are licensed directly with the hospital and they don't really have a lot of leeway with their license, and so the hospital doesn't let them have shadows, whereas if the resident had a direct attending constantly in contact with them, then it would probably be okay, but because some of the residents don't have that, it's not. So I have a good explanation why, and I can put that to bed, and I think that's probably pretty ambiguous across all the programs I had emailed. So Yeah. So it's been a pretty good week. We're going to hopefully get you a special next week. One, one or two. I'm hoping to get at least one ironed out. I'm still working on the others. And... I guess that's kind of... I'll try and remember to post the the movie, at least, if I, if not the bracket, the ability so, to vote. Yeah, I think people might be interested to see Instagram. the bracket, but uh, yeah, at least we'll post a link to vote because the best way this works is just if massive numbers of people vote because it can really screw up someone's bracket. And yeah... It, it it works better if it's more than just the people who are submitting brackets voting, if it's just massive numbers of people voting. So we'll probably post that to Instagram so other people can vote and maybe comment. Uh, you can put your hot take in there, which movie you think <laughs> is just, is absolute trash, but or which movie you hope is winning winning the entire thing. So we're, we'll post that hopefully uh, next week or so. 
So hopefully uh, you followed some of what we were saying in regards to the timeline. <laughs> I'm sorry, we kind of jumped all over the place. If you have questions, feel free to shoot us a message on Instagram or through one of the um, Yeah, we're happy to have a, a, a more focused topic. If there's something that you're coming up on, if you're a student who's maybe a term or so behind where I'm at, and you have something in mind that you just have some questions about, you want to know about the experience, I'm uh, happy to go back and uh, talk about that topic. Uh, so, yeah, just shoot us a message. We're happy to do it. Uh, it's uh, MedFamilyMD on Instagram. And, of course, you can subscribe to any of our, our podcasts. Uh, podcasts is, of course, on any major platforms like uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Amazon. So any any place you find podcasts, you should be able to find ours. And if you're willing to rate us five stars on Apple, that would be great. It helps us get a little bit bigger of a reach. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we will talk to you later. You guys have a great week. Bye.